I had, <laughs> I had very high expectations of Hamburg and the organization and everything. And I am pleased to report that they were somehow exceeded. It's time for baseball from Hamburg, Germany. This is the Elf Academy podcast. And these are your hosts, David and Martin. Moin Moin und herzlich willkommen zur 27. Episode von unserem Podcast der Elbakademie. Wieder mit dabei mein Freund Martin Schulze. Moin Martin. Ja, hello David. Ja, heute äh, endlich geht der zweite Teil von Sam los. Ähm, vor einigen Monaten haben wir ihn direkt in der ersten Woche aufgenommen. Heute nehmen wir ihn in der letzten Woche auf. Für die, die Sam noch nicht kennen, gerne die erste Episode anhören. Ganz interessanter Podcast. Ähm, und heute sprechen wir so ein bisschen über seine Zeit hier in Hamburg bei der Elbakademie, bei den Steelers. Und gucken ein bisschen in die Zukunft voraus äh, oder in die Zukunft heraus, ähm, für seine, weil er gerade einen Profivertrag in Kanada unterschrieben hat. Genau, dann David, lass uns doch gleich Sam dazu holen und wir fangen einfach richtig an. Okay. Okay, and here he is, Mr. Sam Springer. Welcome. What's up, guys? Yeah, Sam, nice to have you on the show. Um, before we get going, my first question, um, how was your time in Hamburg so far? It was great. Um, you know, Hamburg was top of list of the cities I wanted to play in and live in in Europe and uh, definitely lived up to the hype. So I'm, I'm really excited and happy that it did and really You know, it was a great experience for me. So were you able to uh, to enjoy the city, the people, even with the corona roots? Yeah, well, I mean, in the summer, you know, the rules kind of slacked a little bit. So, you know, we still, obviously it wasn't, you know, the, the, the Hamburg that you, you'd expect. But I still got around and got to meet some new people and have a, a whole a, a blast of a summer, really. Yeah, that's happy to hear that. And uh Yeah, so we would start to look back to 2020 and, and start with you as a player. So um, number one question is, how was the season with the Steelers overall for you? And um, yeah, how, how do you think, how was the season for the Steelers? I think um, given the, the circumstances, we, did, we had a hell of a season. You know, we had a, a really, really young team. I mean, how many, you know, guys were, were in their first year in the first Bundesliga on that team? at key positions, you know, you got Tony at shortstop, you got cricket in center, uh, you got Mark behind the plate. That's three 18 year olds, 19 year olds in three key positions. I think, you know, given that we, we pulled off what a, a 500 record. That's, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. I mean, we talked a lot about it, but um, there was also a reason why we had a 500 record because of your, um, Because of your performance all season long, um, yeah. How do you see your improvement during the season? I think um, you start at the beginning, or let's say this way, at the end you were a little bit, even a little bit better than in the beginning. And um, yeah, how how happy are you with your personal performance and also with your improvement during the season? Well, I mean, I, I I'm very happy with my season. 
I don't think, you know, other like one or two things that I think could have gone better for sure. You know, the first start in Doran, I think that's a game we should have won. Uh, well, my first start in Doran um, and the game in Bond kind of got away from us at the end. But yeah, like there was definitely, you know, those first two starts, Doran and Dortmund, like the Vila was a little bit down. Um, it was just getting, you know, used to, I guess, being back in Europe and not having been able to throw outside much and just, you know, getting back in the, the groove of playing games. And, uh, but after that Zolingen start, you know, that third start of the year, that really turned the season around um, and took it from like a season to what I think was a, a great season, in my opinion. So while we're talking about games, um, Sam, which one, which game was the toughest game for you? The toughest, um, that would have to be Bonn. You know, I, there's a reason why they're one or two, you know, in, in Germany every year. They have a really deep lineup and, you know, you, you make a couple mistakes and they're going to make you pay. So, you know, we, we saw that in that start. Everything was cruising, you know, one nothing game. Dotson's throwing a hell of a game. You know, we're, I'm keeping us in there. Um, a guy like we know we knew it was going to be tough to score runs, and then you know that one inning leadoff walk gets you every time, and uh, one thing lead to, leads to another. A couple bad calls, this that blooper, blooper, double, boom. All of a sudden, before you know it, it's five to one. You know, it's that's that's Bond. Like that's a, that's a team you can't just go up there and, and throw. You have to be smart about your approach, and you can't give them anything. Yeah, I was wondering if your answer would be Bonn or Cologne. So, um, but yeah. Oh, you know. know what? I've already forgotten about Cologne. <laughs> and I'm really kind of mad you brought this up because I, I erased that from my memory completely. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's good. Um, yeah, since I know you worked a lot of your on your wheelo to improve it and, and also be more consistent, um, since we have the radar gun right, uh, right above the uh, catcher, uh, How often did you check during the game the the radar gun or and and for one that's one question and the other question is is there also were you able to make adjustments to also get the feedback from the radar gun maybe you were recognizing something is off or something like this yeah well I mean I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to admit this as a pitcher but um, <laughs> I, I looked at it every single pitch You know, as soon as soon I, I remember, you know, the first game against Zolingen, I'm getting loose in the bullpen and I'm like, I've been waiting to throw in Hamburg with the radar gun in game for a year and a half at that point, because every single time it just never worked out. Either the gun wasn't there or, you know, whatever. Um, and that first warm up pitch, 92, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh here we go. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think having the radar gun there and the numbers pop up right in front of your face, it can play with your head as a pitcher. Um, if you're having a bad day, you know, if you feel like, oh, I should be throwing a lot harder and it's saying 84, like what the hell's going on? Um, but if you're having a good day, oh my God, like it, it just drives you and just gets you going. Um, and as for the second part of your question, there are definitely, you know, adjustments you can kind of make on the fly, um, mainly for your off speed. You know, if you see like, oh, okay, I just threw a change up and that was four miles an hour slower than my fastball. I got to change something here because that pitch is not going to be effective. So I think having that immediate feedback is helpful. Definitely. Um, yeah. Also getting back to your improvement and your time in Hamburg. Um, 
maybe you can tell us and, and all the listeners how regular week looked like for you as an import player in Hamburg. I know um, Lidl made a lot of money with you, <laughs> um, but maybe you can tell us like, I mean, not really detailed, but I know you spend a lot of time in the gym and, and stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, it, basically every day was the same. Um, you know, get to the field 10, 30, 11, get my work in, um, and then head over to the gym with, uh, with Stroman or other import. Um, get a lift in, hit Lidl, coach the academy, and then, you know, <laughs> practice. So and when you were at Lidl, did people come up to you to ask you where stuff is? <laughs> you know what? You know, I still think Lidl should have, like, offered me some kind of sponsorship because I, agree. I, think, I think I spent half my paycheck at Lidl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and still doesn't have the Lidl app, but that's a different topic. Um <laughs> So since you mentioned uh, since you mentioned the academy already, um, and before we get really into you as a coach, um, how how did you feel or how was the integration of the academy kids um, within the man team? I mean, you were also helping to coach with the second team here and there and played with the first man team. How 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 did you um, feel about that? Um, I think I think it was it went pretty smoothly. You know, um, to some you know, there's obviously going to be some situations where. They're still young. They don't really know, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure how to phrase it. They don't really know how to like act sometimes, you know, they just kind of mm -hmm. forget that, oh, you know, you're, you're like at the bottom of the totem pole right now. So you gotta, <laughs> you respect the people that are above you and not, you know, you're not already there. So you gotta just, you know, keep that in mind. And sometimes they just forget because they're young and they, they don't really know that. Um, mm -hmm. And also there's, there's the aspect of, Kids are, especially the ones who, you know, make it to the, the first man team. Um, they, growing up, they've probably been, you know, top of their age group. And then you join a team where you got a Murph there or you got, you know, the import guys in and you got established veterans and all that. And that's where you got to take a step back and be like, okay, like, sure, I've been, you know, at the top of whatever age I've been playing at. But now I have an opportunity to really learn from guys who have been through it. And have ability and i just gotta you know not to put it crudely but like i gotta shut my mouth a little bit and just listen and open my ears and that's how you take that next step so i think for the main part it went very well just situations here and there but that's you know that's normal of any team really. so that's that's pretty much sort of the mental and the social aspect of it how, how do you think it worked um, in regards to them actually being able to compete mm -hmm. Um, so I think for the main part, I was pretty impressed. You know, it, it, they were, it, the thing is, it wasn't like they weren't playing key positions, you know, like you, you have a catcher in Mark, um, who's never caught probably above 85 in his life. And all of a sudden I'm coming in throwing high eighties, low nineties. That's a huge adjustment. Um, you look at the start of his season to the end of the season. It's just too bad. The shoulder thing knocked him out because his pitch calling like went up through the roof like his, his game calling ability was day and night from start to end um you look at tony at shortstop like his here's an 18 year old playing shortstop in the first bundesliga in germany i thought he handled his own pretty well did he make mistakes absolutely but you know what do you expect he's 18 and he's playing at the top level in germany i think he did really well um it's not like we were expecting him to hit 300 you know that's not what he's that's not his job 
you know, same thing with a guy like Rickert. Um, did he make mistakes? Absolutely. Um, does he still have a tremendous amount of upside and potential? Hell yeah. Like he, he has a potential to be one of the better players, you know, in Germany, I think, like, in my opinion, if he actually puts in the work and gets better and all that, um, which I think he can, I don't see, you know, why he, he couldn't reach that level. Um, you know, Zeman was only there for a short time, but like what an impact he had in the lineup for that, the couple games he were there, you know, we really felt, felt it when he left. So I think definitely the Academy kids, um, once they make that jump, you know, are they going to carry that team? Probably not. Is that what their role is right off the bat? Absolutely not. So I think they fill the role perfectly, which means the program is working because, you know, after two, three years, then those guys become the leaders. And then maybe eventually you don't even need imports like me, you know? Yeah, I almost said that's the goal, but obviously we still had, were having a great time with you. So we're always <laughs> looking forward to have guys like you over here to also help with the academy. Uh, before Martin is asking a couple of questions for you as a coach, what what's maybe also important, uh, interesting for other import players who come from overseas to Germany, um, since you've played a little bit overseas already before, but uh, how is it for you as a, as a, yeah, you've been a veteran this year and um, you were coaching some kids. How is it for you to play with 18 year olds all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm kind of a kid at heart, to be honest. So I get along very well with the younger players. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes I would say I get along even like too well. I think that was my biggest, my biggest challenge is, you know, it, it, I'm pitching coach playing and also you know these are i'm coaching the players that are my teammates so it's kind of it's mm -hmm. like where do you find that line between being a good teammate and being a good pitching coach where if you actually tell them something they listen to you because you have that coaching authority but you know you also don't want to be that guy who's like well i'm above all of you because i'm the pitching coach you know so that, that mm -hmm. was definitely the trickier part for me is just finding that line um, between being a friendly teammate and a productive coach. Yeah, totally. I can see that. And then in addition to that, you also have, once you start having a, a beer or two with, with the players, which we don't have ever, of course. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not the biggest drinker. Well, especially you don't. Yeah. Right? Cause you don't drink <laughs> at all. I'm not the biggest drinker, but like, you know, they're, they're True. The, regardless of having beers or not, like just, when you go out, then that dynamic yeah. shifts and it's just a reality of, it's a team bonding thing. So you're like, it's, it's, it's good for the team, but it's just like, it's just a weird little, you know, headspace you have to be in where you have to be conscious of like, all right, I'm still their pitching coach. So I can't just yeah. be their buddy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is hard. All right, let's move on a little bit. Um, so let's look at the academy and the players a little more in a little more detail. Um, how do you think from, the, I mean, you've been, you, you coached them for almost, for almost a year, not quite, but almost. So um, how do you, how did you, see, how do you see them improve? Like, can you, you know, if you talk a little bit about some of the players that, yeah, how did they get better? And, and yeah, for sure. Um, you know, for me, the biggest changes I saw was, um, ironically enough, once we weren't able to practice outside. 
uh, inside, sorry. Um, yeah. Because like academy training is great. One-on-one -on -one training is unreal. So once we were forced to do one-on-one -on -one training, it's not the most efficient thing in the world because we have what, 20 kids, 25 kids. And yeah. we gotta find a way to shuffle them in while they have school and the sun goes down at four. So <laughs> it's like, okay, like this is gonna be tough, but I think, you know, the way we did it, getting those kids in, you know, three kids a day, four kids a day sometimes um, from Monday through Friday, I saw some real improvements um, in those two months, you know, November, December. If you look at a kid like uh, Butcher Pete, Peter, the, the, the game we played against the, um, the Harler boys, he was, mm -hmm. he, I think he topped out at 51. Like that was the hardest one he threw on the mound. And mid-December, in less than ideal conditions, he's thrown 55, sitting 53. Yeah. That's huge. And that's, you know, I, I don't want to say it came just from the one-on-one because it comes from him and it comes from um, him putting in that work and, you know, kind of getting in, into a mentality of like, okay, I can actually throw harder than I think I can. Um, when you're not too worried about game stuff or, you, you know, there's like every kid, I saw so many PRs, like, even um, you look at short stack, uh, little John, you know, he went up from, he, he told me he was pulling down like 47, 48. He pulled down 52, you know, three months, yeah. three months after that. Um, Max had never touched 50 in his life and boom, he's, you know, he pops a 50 there and he's over the moon. So like, it was all these little things that happened over that month, month and a half that we were forced to train outside. Um, it might've been a blessing in disguise, you know? I totally, I, I, I think while the, 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 that was the first lockdown we had and it was terrible for everybody, but for the players, for their development, I think it was the best thing that happened to them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one-on-one -on -one training so for, is, for, is for... impossible to beat. Yeah, for the coaches, it was the worst thing. <laughs> Spending the entire day, every day on the field. But yeah, but for player development, it was definitely huge. Yeah, it's, I believe it. I mean, I, I, I saw it. I, there's, you know, but like, as you say, spending four or five hours in the cold every day for the coaches, not the best thing. But hey, you know, if the players are putting in the work, it makes that five hours a lot more fun True. than having the kids show up and not care, you know? And fortunately, yeah, so right. we have kids who work hard. So right now, it is really pretty nasty out if you have to stand around in wet grass for two or three hours. But the summer was was better this year, right? I mean, so it was the weather was pretty nice, and we we had we spent a lot of time working them pretty hard. Can you talk a little bit about this, the the practice sessions in the summer? Yeah, for sure. Um, so in the summer. Um, you know, I came in and, uh, I think we, we had a little discussion over how we wanted to, you know, approach the summer since I was coming in, you know, mid midway, you guys had already set something up. So, um, my approach was mainly to, um, see, like observe what you guys were doing and, you know, it was good stuff. It's not like I came in and was like, wait a minute, what, what are they doing here? This doesn't make any sense. Um, for like the, the structure was very good. You had the med ball training, which I think is huge. Um, the bullpen work since they're technically in season, like perfect time to do it. And then, um, I just, you know, whenever I saw maybe a drill that I think 
you know, could, could help a, a kid specifically, then I would take him aside, give him that drill. And then I, I basically tried to um, take the, the overall program, which I thought was a good solid base that everyone could use. And whenever I saw an individual drill that could help one specific player, maybe, you know, fix a certain issue or get better at a little something, then I would slide that in and, uh, and, and, and incorporate that to our training. Um, but I think the overall structure, you know, you guys hit the nail on the head. It's using your legs, learning how to use that back leg, use it powerfully, um, and not just rely on, well, my arm moves fast, so I'm going to use that. You know, it's, all, it's about using your whole body from the ground up to then, you know, chain it up until, until the tip of your fingers, really. Um, so I think you guys had a really good base going. And I just wanted to complement to that and try to make it a little bit more individualized in the areas that I could. See, compliment. I was looking for that word all along now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Big shout out to you, really, because I think that that's that's what that's what how we envisioned it and how it turned out. That there is there's a program that they're going through, and then we bring in somebody like you, and you complement it with your expertise which is different from, from ours simply because of your, your career. And, um, and I think that worked out perfectly. So they did their, their regular routine in the bullpen. And when they came out, you had a drill for some of them because you saw something that they needed to work on specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, so, so I think that was really great. Yeah, I, th I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah. So speaking of drills, there's a question here. Um, how do you measure uh, drill work versus live pitching practice? for example? So I think it all depends on what your goal is um, and how old you are. Because at some point, you know, I think David and I have had this discussion a couple times. What do you prioritize as an academy? Is it, you know, getting players a certain amount of skills as in, you know, we're getting this kid who's throwing 50 miles an hour. We're, get, we're trying to get him to 65 within a year and a half, let's say. Or is it, we've got this kid who's throwing 50 miles an hour and we want to make him the best possible pitcher in game right now. Yeah. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know what, what the answer is. For me personally, I'm all about developing skill sets um, and I don't really care if, you know, 12-year-old Jimmy Jim John is performing in the games or not um to me it's about getting that kid to get good movement patterns and get him on track to where i think he can be you know five six seven years down the line um it, it, that to me is more important than dominating as a 12 year old no one's going to remember if you were good you know what your stats were in little league that's that's true for sure yeah but on the flip side like i get your guys's point where like you're sending these academy kids to their summer teams or whatever. Um, and if they don't perform, then it reflects badly. So there's like, there's, there's both things you have to, to juggle there. Um, and so I think when they're younger, I'm all about just drill work, um, learn like how to move fast and throw the hardest you can and just get into that mentality early. And then as you get yeah. older, you can't like, you have to start performing in games at some point, you know, it has to happen. Yeah. That transition must happen. 
So I think once you hit 15, you know, 14, 15 in that range, you have to start blending both of those aspects, really like consciously have a plan to do that. And then, you know, at 16, 17, 18, like you still have a lot of room to grow. Um, but if you're trying, you know, for these kids, if they want to go play in college, if they want to play this, yeah, they need a skill set. They need certain things they need to hit, like velo wise, exit velo wise, sprint speed, whatever. But they also need to to open some eyes when they play because there are, you know, how many kids who throw mid 80s in the world? So you got to bring something to the table that someone else, you know, in America maybe doesn't have because you're coming all the way from New York. So you got you got to you got to have some numbers to back it up and some raw numbers to back it up. And I think yeah. it's it's a tough balance, you know. I think you're totally right, and like you say, we had a lot of conversations about it. And uh, yeah, to just to to think about the point that we're having is, I think the biggest the best the best feedback you can the kids receive is playing in the game and and actually see um, how if if my uh, work pays off. And I think that's why it's also important that they see they're making progress. And obviously, when they, they when they do a lot of pitching practice, they want to see results. And at the end of the game, at the end of the day, practice is practice, but you mm -hmm. practice to win ball games, you know. And I think that's also a very important mentality. And as you build it up early, I think it's even better to to win those games when it's when it's when they already had the pressure in earlier years. In yeah, my opinion. I mean, that that makes sense. Um, it, it's just balancing because yeah. you know what makes you. It's just tough sometimes because if you're, if you're, it is, what totally, makes you yeah. successful at 12 doesn't mean that'll make you successful at 16. That's right. That's totally right. But I think that's also a little bit the problem between America or Canada and, and in Germany, for example. They only maybe have like 10 regular games all year. So um, they should perform in those games because they should be better than everybody else when they work that hard you know but i totally uh, also agree on your on your on your points um which is sometimes tough for us to um <laughs> let it go sometimes you know yeah i mean if you only have 10 <laughs> games you definitely like it, yeah i get what you're saying like you don't have you yeah. only have a handful to put into application what you've been working hard for so you definitely want to see some success and success yeah. always as you say motivates you and validates what you've done yeah. yeah, true. So, Sam, another focus that we had uh, last winter um, was uh, uh, weight and weight training and plyo uh, drills. And at this point, a, a shout out again to our partner, uh, Fitness First. Thank you for for letting us train in your uh, facilities. How did you experience this time um, indoors with the, uh, the with the weight program? Well, it was it was pretty short, right? We we were only in there for a month before uh, before we were we were booted back to the outside. But um, honestly, I think like Fitness First did a wonderful job of making room for us because you know at Altena, um, you know, Nick had a nice little wall basically cordoned off for us. You know, whenever the kids were coming in, there were people doing wall balls, and we'd be like, hey. Like we need to throw, and it was like, yeah, sure, this is baseball boys. Like you got the wall, um, so that was great. Um, and in that short little time, 
I could see that, you know, I could envision the next three, four months. And I was like, all right, this is going to be an awesome winter. And it's just too bad. I got cut short because True. the way we had it set up, you know, so many, like we had so many kids coming in doing their work and it was groups of three and four. So you had that, you know, individual feeling, but also still getting pushed with your teammates, which is really the best of both worlds. And then, you know, I would take care of the pitching stuff. Boom. They'd go over to David. David had them lifting, had them working their butts off. Um, and then we kind of lost that aspect when we met outside because you know, David was the hours weren't the same. So David had to be, you know, doing stuff, uh, working in schools. And I was, you know, I had the kids for one hour. I couldn't have them, you know, the, the, the exact same way we had it set up. But that one month, if we're, if you guys are able to, to duplicate that and have the, the ability, um, to, you know, have those months string together, two, three, four months next winter, I mean, game changer, game changer for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think so too. The 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 winter program, like like Sam said, was the one month we had was an outstanding uh, month already. You can we were able to see a lot of progress and the setup we had in in Altona or also in Niendorf that the guys can come in, um, you know, warm up, do their throwing, and then go over to lifting, and then they were able to um, swim and stuff like this. I think that was. Um, that was a great setup, and if we can uh, keep up this uh, cooperation, that would be awesome for the kids. Um, but I know, my friend Sam, you were also using the facilities in Fitness First, mm -hmm. and um, I think you made the next step. And um, yeah, and then in the winter, you uh, came with a big smile and also with a little tears in your eyes. I almost said to my house. And uh, told me about good news and bad news at the same time because um, you did sign a professional baseball contract overseas. So overseas means in Hell, Canada. Yeah, overseas from Europe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> overseas from here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe you can let us know where you're going to play in 2021. Right. So I, I signed a contract in the Frontier League um, with the Trois Eagles, Les Aigues de Trois Rivières, uh, which is like two hours outside of Quebec city. It's, uh, where you well, come I'm, from? I'm from Montreal, but it's the same province. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's in the, it's a, in, in the, in what a, indie ball league. Um, and it's one of the better indie leagues out there. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited about it, but also kind of bummed to be leaving Hamburg because I, I really enjoy my time here and, you know, I've been seeing, the results with the kids and everything. And I was, I, I always want to see them grow and, you know, see, see how that pans out. So it's, 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 you know, bittersweet, I guess would be the word um, on my, on my end mm. for sure. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's even for me, it's really interesting. How did you get in contact with them? And um, yeah, how did also playing in Hamburg help you to get that? Well, contract? you know, the the coronavirus has been a pain in the ass for a <laughs> ridiculous amount of reasons, but in a strange turn of events, I don't think I play professional ball next year without um, number one, the Germany shutting down uh, Americans from coming in. Because if that if that doesn't happen, then I'm not in Hamburg. 
So because Canadians are allowed to go over, I come to Hamburg. Um, because the, the Steelers have a great Steelers TV setup, guess what? Boom, I have all this footage of the best season of my life. I meet another Canadian who's only in Hamburg or only in Germany because his indie ball league got canceled. We get together in Prague playing in that tournament. Um, I send him some video. He sends it to a couple guys. And then next thing you know, I'm getting a contract offer to play indie league. Like it, it was just a, a series of events that never would have happened. You know, I was slated to go to Belgium if I go to play in Belgium, no disrespect to the Belgian league, but I'm not playing indie ball next year. You know, that's just the cold hard truth. So coming to Hamburg was the, I, I didn't, I didn't expect it to happen like that. That would lead to the, what it did, but Oh my God, I'm so grateful for it. Fanclub Deutsche Baseball Nationalmannschaft, dein Platz direkt hinter der Homeplate. Folgt uns auf Instagram oder Facebook unter dem Hashtag Wir leben Baseball. Okay, Sam, so as usual, we have at the end of each uh, show, we have uh, a bunch of questions from our listeners. Uh, but before we get to the listener questions, I have one for you. You talked about expectations just now. Um, I'm wondering, how did your expectations coming to Hamburg compared to reality to what you actually what actually happened well i'm i'm going to be honest with you martin i Please. had <laughs> i had very high expectations of hamburg and the organization and everything and i am pleased to report that they were somehow exceeded so you know from everything from Just the setup that I had, getting the best host mom in the history of host moms. Shout out, Petra <laughs> Bomber, like the, the all-time great host mom. Um, to the just the support that I got, especially in this weird times that we're living in. Um, it was really nice to have that you know support system out there. Um, to the academy work, you know sometimes you don't really know what you're getting into and you know, you two guys are great. The kids are great and working along you two has been, you know, really, really fun um, to the baseball field where great bunch of guys, great bunch of teammates. I mentioned it earlier, but can we give some love to Steelers TV? Of course. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how there's no deal with like some kind of German television where they broadcast the games, you know, once a week or something like, sure. We got Hooters, which is fantastic, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, like wide range Steelers TV is great. So great work to, 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 to the guys who take care of that. Jens and uh, Bjorn. Sorry, yeah, Bjorn and Jens. Yeah. Yes. Bjorn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the whole, like I, my expectations were, were so high. I didn't, I almost expected that I'd be disappointed and yet somehow I wasn't, I was, I was happily surprised that somehow they could be beat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Happy. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you had a good experience. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Yeah. And the first uh, listener question comes from Great Britain. And All right. Mr. Mr. Strawman is asking, what is your favorite <laughs> salad from Lidl? 
My favorite salad from Lilo. Oh, that's a tough one, you know? It's a toss-up between Mexicana and Hellas, but uh, I think the feta cheese of Hellas really brings out the, 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 the flavor of the sauce. You know, those two things together just make that salad pop. So I got to go Hellas. Great. So, and I know, uh, Sam, that David introduced you to some really terrible uh, German music <laughs> the last few weeks. So the question um, from Max is, what is your favorite German song? Okay, well, you know, I think I, think I know what he wants me to say, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and I'm going to defer to David because he knows, he knows that in my heart of hearts, What is my favorite German song? Yeah, it's uh, definitely one of my Namika. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Lieblingsmensch or Je ne parle pas français, one of those two. Yeah, I, sure. I believe Lieblingsmensch. And uh, <laughs> Mirko is asking, Mirko uh, Olichewski, one of your teammates in Hamburg, is uh, why did you come during oh, the season? Well, you know, there comes a time in a man's life where <laughs> his hair is simply too long and gets in his eyes and gets in his forehead and gets everywhere. And also, you know, have to remind the world that, yes, um, there's more to me than just a good, nice set of hair. So I just like to cut it off <laughs> to remind people that I'm more than just a nice, you know, nice flow. Yeah, but you're pretty much back to it when you arrived here. But um, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we have a question from Bengt, which maybe is a little repetitive, but we're going to ask it anyways. So um, compared to your previous experiences with baseball, what do you say was the most significant difference being here in Hamburg, I assume he means? Uh, the most significant difference? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess I guess I've never really been the leader of a of a pitching staff. You know, I, I, I mean, obviously in wrestling last year, I kind of was, but it wasn't a very competitive team. So you didn't have that, that pressure, you know, that expectation of like, all right, we really like, if this guy doesn't perform, we're going to lose be, uh, because, well, we lost a lot of games anyways. Um, but this year, you know, there's definitely that added pressure of, all right, like I'm the guy that's expected to get us a win every time I come out and I got to live up to those expectations. So I think that was, that was something new for me. And then the second part of his question is, what are your, uh, what are your goals for the future? Oh, um, man, I don't really have a set goal, you know? Well, I have one set goal and that's to throw 95 miles an hour. That's one set goal. But in terms of like where I'm going to play and all that, When do you reckon you reach the 95? Oh, I hope, I hope by the start of next season. You know, I really want to, I want to I be able to come into training camp with the, you know, with Lizeg and say, yeah, I tickle 95. That's, that's, that's the idea. Yeah, nice. And uh, the team captain of the Steelers, Mr. Brian Murphy, um, is asking, Canada is a big hockey territory. Did you ever play hockey? And if so, what made you decide to uh, play baseball or decide baseball over hockey? Well, I never played hockey, ball hockey. Um, but I did have a, a, a little time where I quit baseball and I, I in my head that I was going to be a goaltender in hockey or goalie. Um, to which my mom replied, number one, you can barely skate. 
Uh, <laughs> number two, I'm not getting up at six in the morning or five in the morning to drive you to the arena and stand in the cold at six in the morning. And number three, um, I'm definitely not spending the thousands of dollars it will require to buy this equipment uh, for, for you since, you know, again, you cannot skate. Um, so that was pretty much my hockey career. <laughs> and then I decided I'll well, go back to baseball. <laughs> you know what? Thanks to your mom. Because <laughs> otherwise you, we wouldn't have had you here. So, yeah. <laughs> And, and Murphy is also asking, uh, which pitcher has uh, inspired you as the mostly? Well, you know, that might be a little um, surprising because control, as you guys know, before I came here, was a bit of a struggle for me. I trust you. I was, all right, <laughs> trusting you. Um, but I, I was a huge Roy Halladay fan. You know, I, I, I always thought his, his mantra of, I have 31 starts or 30, you know, 30 to 33 starts in a season. And I want my walk total to be even or less than that. I thought that was amazing. And just the way he, he went about his business, the movement on his pitches and like everything about Roy Holiday I, to me was fantastic. And it's kind of weird because I'm not a type of pitcher. He is like, I'm, you know, all out trying to throw as hard as I can every single pitch he's throwing, you know, Everything has a single, like a, a great purpose behind it. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm out there just like, I'm grinding. I'm out there throwing hard, like as hard as I can every <laughs> single pitch. So it's apparently um, I decided to go the opposite way he did. But I always thought he, the way he did it was probably the way I wanted to do it. But just, I'm, I'm just not that guy. But yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's a weird inspiration, but that's what it is. Right. So, okay. So Ben has actually another part or another question. For All right. Would, would you recommend the experience of playing overseas to younger players who still have the possibility? Of course. And, and with overseas, I assume he means, you know, from here. I, regardless of which direction you're going, if you have a chance, you know, if baseball offers you the chance to go and live in a completely different culture, why wouldn't you do it? There's literally no downside. If you're, if you wait until you're, you've got responsibilities, then you won't do it. The beauty of being sure. young is there's nothing holding you anywhere. You can just pick up and go. It's not like, oh, well, I got a mortgage to pay. I got a, I got these kids. I got, you know, a wife, a husband, whatever, whatever your deal is. Like you don't have anything when you're young. You could just go where the wind takes you, go where the baseball gods take you. So yeah, hundred percent do it. Yeah, totally. You're right. It does change pretty quickly. And uh, Max the, of the Academy is asking, when uh, does your new league start? And second question, and it's also very interesting, uh, do you ever come back to Hamburg? Ah, well, the league is slated to start uh, mid-May, uh, training camp starting in May. Don't know if it'll be pushed back to June because of Corona reasons. Um, and will I come back to Hamburg? Well, I sure hope so. Back and just see how, how, all, how, you know, what's happened, you know, how, how's everyone evolved and just catch up with everyone. Because, like I said, I genuinely love Hamburg. Like I think one of the greatest cities I've ever been to. <laughs> Thank you.
Yeah, speaking of Silas CV, one of the main uh, guys of Silas CV, Jens, also has a question for you. And right. uh, yeah, he, he told me to ask you, since he watched How I Met Your Mother, the show, um, he's wondering <laughs> if those rumors are true that uh, Canadians are scared in the dark. Well, I will, I will say um, that nobody's a fan of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is yes. <laughs> and, and is it true that front doors are open, always open in Canada? I, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Is it, is it true that uh, the front doors of homes are open in Canada? Uh, my front door has never been unlocked. Um, but funny enough, when I was in wrestling last year, I had a, my California roommate, Patrick Cromwell, in, insisted on always leaving the door unlocked because he said it's Germany, so it's fine. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's upside down from the North America. We just we think Germany's safe. I don't know. But yeah, my, my front door has always been locked. I see. Then Peter's asking, and uh, yeah, as you know, you spend a lot of time with him, and um, he's asking you now, how old were you when you threw 55 miles, uh, miles per hour? Mm, I see, I see. Honestly, I didn't have a radar gun on me um, when, when I threw 55, or in the ages I assume I threw 55, yeah. so I would guess like 12, 13? That would be my best guess. Okay. So just a guess, so. Yeah, I mean, I okay. really didn't have access to a radar gun when no. I threw that. What, a, what awesome. a great advantage these kids have these days, huh? Seriously. They don't, they don't, they don't these kids these days, <laughs> they don't understand how good they have. Yeah. And he's, I at, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also asking, is our training comparable to the training in Canada uh, at the same age group? Yeah, for sure. hundred um, percent. I would say you even have a structure that is almost more interesting than at least what I grew up with um, because you kind of have it so like, five days a week or four days a week. Um, what, I, what I grew up with was basically I had to drive, you know, an hour after school to go to, a, to, go to practice in the winter because um, it was only available in the, well, basically the travel, the, the, the situation I had set up was either I played locally, which only had stuff in the summer, and then in the winter you were off on your own, or I played for a travel team, which had a year-long program, but required a lot of travel. Um, and so, like, I was practicing twice, maybe twice, uh, twice during the week and once on the weekend, so three times a, a week, you know, in, in the winter time. And you know, these kids are out there four days a week and they have you know, a gym access and all these other stuff. So it's definitely comparable. And I would even say for some, for some kids in Canada, it's favorably comparable. Um, do we have programs in Canada that are great as well? Of course. Um, but I think what the Academy is doing is very much in line with what we have going in top programs in North America. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah. Like definitely, for, definitely and, from a structure standpoint, you know, like that, that's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. Although we have to, you know, we, we have to say that this only works if you have 
people that are a little bit crazy like David. And <laughs> if we bring in people a little like bit crazy. Them, <laughs> hello, 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 hello. <laughs> so next question, please. Right. Yeah. So we have, we have a couple of questions from Hendrik. And his first question is, um, what was the best moment in your baseball career? Best moment in my baseball career? Um, individually or team-wise success? Pick one. Okay. I would say, I would say it still has to be I threw a game um, in Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean when I was playing junior elite. Um, so I was 20, and there were about 3,000 people in the stands, which is to this day still the biggest crowd I've ever pitched. Um, and I threw a, I think it was a, a one, one hitter or a three, no, a, I don't know. But basically what happened was um, I got the whole crowd to hate me And they were chanting my name, but in a way to try to, to distract me, like we do at the Bell Center for Canadians games, we just chant the opposing goalie's name. And there's a very distinct cadence. So let's say it'd be, uh, Martin, your last name would be Schulze, Schulze. <laughs> so as I was pitching, I would just hear, Bailin, Bailin. and that was the most incredible experience you know, that I've had playing for sure. Okay, so talking about uh, best moments, what was your best moment with the Steelers? With the Steelers? Um, I think it has to be, this is going to sound very selfish, uh, <laughs> but when I, when I pitched against uh, Zoldingen and, you know, I saw the, the four 93s pop up in that one game and I had never thrown 93 once in my life, that was definitely, you know, something that, was you know had me flying on cloud nine yeah and mark harder your your catcher mm -hmm. uh, was always asking me what's going on with sam before the games is asking what is your favorite ariana grande song look i mean some people some, <laughs> some people listen to some heavy metal some you know big gangster rap i think you got to be in a happy state of mind because my biggest problem when i was a younger pitcher was I would get really mad really early. And then as soon as I, you know, th there's a saying, um, anger is the wind that blows the candle of the mind out. So as soon as I would get angry on the mound, my head would be gone and then it's disaster. So if I figured I'm going to try to be nice and loose, I'm going to pop on some Ariana Grande and just let the rhythm flow through, you know, No tears left to cry. Get some dangerous woman in there. God is the woman. Just anything, Ariana. And then I'm nice and loose and happy to throw gas, you know? <laughs> Great. Okay, so then Rickard has a question for you. After spending two years in Germany, how does the German Bundesliga compare to baseball in Canada? Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously it depends on the level, uh, but let's say the highest amateur league, which would be um, the LBMQ, Ligue Baseball Major du Québec. Um, I would say that like a Bonn would be in the top, you know, definitely like one of the top teams in that league, if not the best team. But on the flip side, you wouldn't have, you know, um, a Dortmund. You know, no disrespect to Dortmund, um, but in Europe and in Germany, 
there's very distinct tiers. You know, the, the bottom three are just not very competitive. That's just the reality that it is. Um, as back home, every team has a chance to beat another team. Um, there's like, you'll, you'll never see a 27, nothing. Like I remember in wrestling last year, our first game of the year, our first two games of the year against Paderborn, we got outscored 48 to one. And you would never see that. The adventures. But the, in terms of like, once you get out of the basement, the mid range teams and the top teams, it's very similar. I think it also shouldn't happen in the German Bundesliga, but um, that's a different topic we should have to talk about at some point. Um, yeah, the last two questions uh, has our next guest and your your host brother for a short time, Simon Boimer. And uh, first question is: Do you have any new board plans, uh, board games planned already? Actually, I do have a board game in mind. Um... Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a like, big board game enthusiast. Um, and it's, it has something to do with emperors. Uh, either you'd be an advisor to replace an emperor or get your person that you want to replace an emperor. It's still a work in progress, but yes. Yes, Zimon, <laughs> at one point, I will send you a game to play that. <laughs> okay, perfect. And the second question is, and I think he does not include himself into this question, um, Who's the hardest working kid in the App Academy? No, no, I'm not doing that. No, no, <laughs> it's a good try, Big Z. It's a good try, but uh, I am not. I'm not creating divisions as I leave. That is not happening. <laughs> well, that, that yeah, that was yeah. that was that was probably the smartest answer you could give there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was I was already saw some kids and parents asking for your number, but uh, yeah, you said you did a great that answer. That could have been fun too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, having having fun with you and uh, like overall, I told you it's already a couple of times uh, offline, um, and also in the last episode we made here, just another big thank you and. Um, you did a you did a great job here as a coach and um, also as a player, obviously. And um, yeah, here officially online, um, not saying goodbye yet. Um, but um, yeah, I wish you all the best. And um, the question that Max had: When do you come back? Um, you will always uh, have a place to stay when you come overseas to Germany. And um, I hope for you that you will never play again for Hamburg because then uh, there's a bigger shot that you play big professional in, in America or Canada. But um, I think um, if it does not work out, you you know where you can always uh, call and um, get a contract. Well, I, I truly, truly appreciate that. And I, I've had a really good time. And if I may, I did prepare a little something for the, the academy. Um, it, I might not make sense when I say it, but I will try. Um, vielen Dank für euer Vertrauen und die harte Arbeit. Uh, sogar bei scheiße Wetter. Um, Sechst Uhr Arbeit fort und ihr werdet überrascht sein, an welche Orte Baseball ich bringen kann. Viel Glück, Jungs, und ich erwarte PR-Updates von euch. Very cool.
So hopefully that made a little bit of sense. Ich glaube, der war great. Ich kann auch nur noch mal Danke an Sam sagen, weil er Sam ist ein cooler Typ, ein guter, ist ein guter, ein guter, ein guter Mensch, ein super Spieler offensichtlich und ein geiler Coach. Also das Team, was ihn jetzt als nächstes bekommt, kann sich glücklich schätzen. Ja, total. Und äh, ja, er wohnt ja jetzt hier gerade bei mir und also das Deutsch am Ende war ja überragend. Ey. Das äh, werde ich gleich mal mit ihm unter vier Augen besprechen. Vor allem war das auch das erste Deutsch, was er so... Ja, bis auf das ein oder andere Wort, was man vielleicht hier nicht sagen sollte, war das ähm, ja das erste, was ich in Deutsch habe reden hören. Das war das ja stimmt. Weltklasse. Ja. Ja. Ähm, gut, aber nächste Woche... Also Simon eine kleine Challenge. Nächste Woche ist ja Simon Bäumer bei uns und äh, das machen wir wieder auf Deutsch. Da wird er ein bisschen erzählen, wie es gerade in Florida ist, ähm, wie es auf dem College ist, wie Corona da gerade ist, was seine nächsten Ziele sind. Ich glaube, das wird auch sehr interessant. Ähm, ja, also nochmal Danke an Sam und apropos Danke. Richtig, da sind noch ein paar Dankes zu sagen. Danke an zum Beispiel JD, der uns beim Intro geholfen hat. Danke an Kevin McLeod für den Song, Song Surf Shimmy die wir immer im, im, im Vor- und Abspann benutzen. Ja, und, und danke an unsere Grafikerin Sandra Schulz. Ich kann es noch von letzter Woche einzig Sauber. Ja. Also, wir freuen uns nächste Woche und bleibt gesund, ähm, bleibt fit und bis nächste Woche. Bye-bye, ciao. Wenn jemand Fragen für Simon hat, schickt uns wie immer, könnt ihr könnt uns Sprachnachrichten schicken oder einfach per WhatsApp Text. Genau, oder Instagram oder Facebook. Geht alles mittlerweile. <lacht> also, bis nächste Woche. Super. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.